0: Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self-Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. Welcome back. Today, before we dive into an amazing interview with Evan Hafer of Black Rifle Coffee, I have some really big news to share with you. Self-Made Man is about to radically change. What started as a simple podcast and a passion project in 2015 is about to turn into something much, much bigger. So for the past 12 months, we've been working behind the scenes with one of the top development companies in Los Angeles to create a next generation platform for entrepreneurs. And the time has finally come to show you what we've been working on. So on February 5th, we'll be kicking off the pre-launch campaign for the brand new Self-Made Man. And to help start things off with a bang, we're going to be giving away over $30,000 in prizes. And in fact, one lucky winner is going to walk away with the grand prize, the ultimate home office makeover. So if that happens to be you, you're going to find yourself sitting at a brand new electric stand-up desk from Uplift that's identical to the one that I work from every single day. And on top of that desk, you're going to find a brand new MacBook Pro, a 27-inch 4K monitor, a Yeti Pro mic if you want to start up your own podcast, a loaded iPhone 10, and $15,000 in cash to put towards your startup. So stay tuned as I'm going to have much more news to share with you between now and the launch on February 5th. Now, with that being said, we have one of the best interviews we've ever heard today here on the show, the founder of Black Rifle Coffee, Evan Hafer. Now, Black Rifle is the quintessential entrepreneur success story. You know, Evan had really two passions in life, roasting his own coffee and serving his country as a member of the Special Forces. Now, when he finally made the decision to retire from the military, he needed a plan B and selling coffee became exactly that. He would literally roast his own beans at home, bag them, and then he taught himself how to market online until he made his very first sale. From that point forward, he never looked back and has created one of the most viable brands in the world. In fact, Black Rifle Coffee is one of the best examples of niche marketing that you will ever find. I know it definitely fits that category for me. They market a fantastic product to a very specific audience and they do it without apology. Their humorous ads are filled with guns, with girls, and a declaration of war on hipsters. And that dedication to their audience and to their brand has been rewarded in spades. Today, they've grown to 100 employees. They've got over 30,000 active customers who subscribe to their monthly coffee club alone and a valuation that's now in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So if you want to learn how to create a world-class brand from your kitchen table, if you want to dive into the formula that they've used to create their viral marketing video sensations, and if you want to learn what it takes to build a $100 million plus company from scratch... Don't miss this episode. It is absolutely one of my all-time favorites. So please help me welcome Evan Hafer. Well, Evan Hafer, welcome to Self Made Man. I've been looking forward to this interview for uh, a long time now since we've had it on the books. And thank you so much for the time today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to spending the, the hour, maybe maybe a little bit more with you guys. So
0: Yeah, uh, that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So, so Black Rifle Coffee Company, you guys have just built one of the most interesting, dynamic brands that I've seen, you know, over the last probably two, three, four years that uh, has just been awesome. Like watching you guys and the videos you've put out and how you've built or really carved out your niche in a massive, massive industry has just been fascinating. Uh, but before we dive into the business side of things, I want to talk about your story your background and how you ended up being inspired to to start the company.
1: It's just necessity is the mother of invention. Is that what they say? Right. Uh, right. And I was, uh, I was finishing about a nine year uh, career with the CIA as a, as a contractor. And basically I, I was, I was a little bit disgruntled and burnout and the agency and I were, were not seeing eye to eye anymore. <laughs> and I needed to go out and do something. And and I, I really was was more interested in trying to become I guess you know it's the old adage of teach a man to fish right and uh, I needed to learn how to be self-sufficient and I didn't want to have a, a boss anymore and you know becoming my own boss was really about becoming my own master and what I tell people is I needed to emancipate myself from government service because after 10 years and about five years working in Iraq and, and in Afghanistan and all over the Middle East, I just finally came to a conclusion, uh, you know, that the entire background of that story is more melodramatic in some sense, but, uh, I just kind of came to the conclusion that the government will, will use you up and spit you out. And, uh, it, it is a big bureaucratic entity and, and the only person that you can really rely on is you and your family uh, and your friends in order to take care of yourself. And I felt that the only way we can do that is is to go out and start our own. When I say that, me, my wife and I start our own business. And initially, that wasn't coffee. Coffee was a, a was a complete recreation for me. I, I was I was roasting coffee and I'd been roasting coffee for several years before that. I'd always wanted to open a coffee shop. And my wife had had a coffee shop in Denver. We were coffee heads. It's kind of what brought us together. I started roasting coffee in around 2006 just to roast fresh coffee with me so I could take it overseas when I was in Iraq in 2006. I needed to be able to go over there and and kind of replicate the same high quality standard of coffee that I was used to at home and being like, you know, I guess a fairly accomplished coffee head that... I I wasn't going to go and like drink instant or what's called the DFAC or the dining facility (laughs) coffee. (laughs) I wasn't going to do it. It's just, it's just so bad. And it was more, you know, once again, necessity, right? So I wanted great coffee to take with me and I started roasting it because of that. Then my friends started drinking it. People started realizing like, okay, well I'm, I'm the coffee roaster guy. I would come home and go to coffee festivals. I would, you know, I, I bought these big elaborate espresso machines and I was just kind of going down the rabbit hole and it was just something different for me outside of war, right? So what I, what I tell people is you you need something to decompress. I was spending well over 300 days a year as a contractor in war zones doing one of the the most, dangerous jobs in the world, right? And uh and fractions of a percentage of people actually get to do what I did. And it was something that was completely different from war. And it was just something I got into. And uh around 2014 I, I decided to leave government service and it was, you know, it was kind of a <laughs> it was kind of a my my boss at the time, who's one of my best friends, he was like, Man, I, I think it's time for you to go. And I was in the same frame where it is time for me to go. And I went out and I started another company with a friend of mine around that same time and became kind of less of a contractor. It wasn't like a clean break. I was kind of phasing myself out. And um, I started a company called Twist Rate because we were doing a lot of inventions and things like that. my best friend and former team sergeant and I, we started this company to do crowdfunding for inventions and it was it was more his than mine you know he was a he was an inventor and i was just really kind of helping him out and then through that process i realized that you know it was just impossible for me to do anything other than just move completely away from working you know for anyone so at that point i had you know five different partners and everybody had something to say and i was working with like you know inventors and all these other guys and ultimately it was, it became one of those things where I had to be able to go out and prove to myself that I could learn how to do this completely autonomous to anybody else. And I was roasting coffee in my garage and, uh, I, I started thinking about it when I was still, you know, I was still an agency, I was still in the agency at the time, just doing a couple, you know, a couple uh, training trips a year. I had this other company, Twistrate, and I was roasting coffee. And I was like, man, I should really see if I can sell coffee online. So I did a little bit of market research. I built a website. And the intent of it was to try to teach myself how to be more more of an effective e-commerce businessman. And my theory was, hey, I can roast coffee. I just need to be able to teach myself some coding, maybe some design iteration work as far as like working with designers and, and, you know, come up with branding and, and all of these things was just an evolutionary process in the, in the sense of when I started black rifle, I didn't know, uh, you know, I don't know. Can I use profanity on this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) You
1: know, I I didn't know a fucking thing, man. You know, I, I was just a guy trying to roast great coffee and I didn't have enough money to start a coffee shop. And I thought, well, I can roast coffee, I can sell it online now. I just need to figure out how to build a website.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, necessity is the mother of all invention. And I went through the same process. Okay, I've got this step done. Now the next step is this. Okay, I got to figure that out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> very much like that. Like these are the skills that I have. Like which was, you know, I could throw around pistol and carbine. You know, I was a, a, a one of you know one of a fraction of a percent of the guys that could teach it at the level that I could, but to be quite honest with you, I was just kind of over it.
0: Like, yeah.
1: I didn't want to just teach pistol carbine and tactics, and, that it, and I'm not degrading anybody that does that because it's super hard work, but I just wanted to learn something different and inject that into my life. And I was just super interested in, in becoming more of an effective entrepreneur in this space because I loved coffee, and my intent was like, hey, I'm gonna do this and see if I can come up with an effective monetization strategy, an e-com so i could raise enough capital internally to start a coffee shop like that was my whole mm. objective initially and what i was going to do with my coffee shop was i wanted to be a coffee shop slash range so just the front of it would be this like you know really well built and incredibly designed you know coffee shop with you know great espresso machines and baristas but then you could you know grab a gun and go in the back and, and, and tear it down but what happened was is is I kind of put I, I increased the velocity of sales a substantial amount to the point where all I could do is just roast coffee and that's all I could think about you know I was bagging roasting coffee and doing customer service like what felt like 24 hours a day
0: well let's and let's uh let's dive into that a little in a little bit more detail, how do you make your first sale, and then how did how did those start to, to scale to that level?
1: <laughs> the, how, I, how I made my first sale was I needed to be able to. I, w- what I knew was I needed to be able to build my own website. I needed to be able to be completely autonomous, and I needed to have you know a low investment threshold to this. So I put eighteen hundred dollars in this, and I knew you know I had a little bit of money in the bank at the time, but I was like, if this thing fails, I don't want to like lose my ass. So, you know, I was working during the day, you know, doing some, some training and, you know, trying to pull this thing together. And I was, you know, I, I developed and built my own website. I took my own product shots. I, you know, did all the own branding and I'd like outsourced it to, you know, like 99 designs and like, <laughs> you know, Fiverr and all these, you know, I was just down the rabbit hole on some of this. And I just kept stepping one foot in front of the other. So it was the first sale Was actually through Facebook. So I knew that I I was like, hey, I've got to be able to market this product. So I started building ads on Facebook and didn't know anything about building ads. But once again, like, how do I sell coffee? You know, like I'm just asking myself the same question over and over again and just getting like, you know, different results and then trying to sequence them, right? I needed to find an effective marketing channel to get, you know, traction for the company. And ultimately, my first sale was within the first, probably $200 I had spent on Facebook. So I'd spent about $200 in advertising, like building ads and like, you know, just kind of, I didn't understand that, nor was I calling it split testing at the time, but that's what I was doing. It's like, it just makes sense if this thing doesn't work to shit can it and then put more money into the things that work. It just makes sense. It's like common sense. Like you don't want to flush money down the toilet. I think I'd spent about $200 online initially to sell black rifle coffee and then i started just getting better at creating ads and building audiences and targeting people i had met my buddy uh, matt best a couple years prior to that because he worked for the agency too and you know matt had a very successful t-shirt company called article 15 clothing and those guys were doing really well and they were you know they were basically content marketers they were doing really well And I would talk to Matt and Jared on a regular basis. I I started doing things with them, you know, trying to learn more about content and video. And we just became really good friends. We weren't business partners initially. We were just buddies. And eventually, you know, I started in, and I'd roasted article 15 clothings, coffee, but that was before black rifle. And uh, that was their clothing company. And eventually You know, I picked up the phone and was like, you know, I really would like to get you guys involved in this. You know, I'm I'm converting customers at a profitable, you know, ROI. You know, I think that we could kind of combine what I'm learning in business with what you guys do with content. And it took about, I don't know, six months or something like that before we were in the same same place. And that was kind of the the genesis, I guess. So and then, you know, that, that was three years ago, I guess.
0: So what was your breakout moment when you guys really established this as a brand with the unique style that you have, right? (laughs) Because what I want people to do, if you're not familiar with with Black Rifle and and their marketing, go to YouTube, uh, click on their channel, subscribe to it, go to videos, and just start watching their videos. Tell me the story around it because you've got a few videos where the style is very, very, very similar to... The original um, Dollar Shave Club video, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to dive into this because I find it fascinating, and I'm a little jealous, and I want to figure out like (laughs) what y'all's magic formula is for this style.
1: So our breakout moment was, (laughs) you know, I, you know, I'll trace it back, and I'll be like, you know, I think as candid as we can be, because like I I think it will help people. Is we were a bunch of guys that were having fun and it was all about fun, man. Like we, you know, in, in the army, especially like in, in, you know, with Matt coming out of range battalion and then, you know, me coming out of special forces, like you, you have so much time to just think and think about funny stuff and then make your buddies laugh that sketch comedy just comes natural. And we, and we, and we loved it. Like that's really what brought us all together was we just wanted to make super funny videos and create value within people's life the only difference is i also wanted to roast coffee so i'm just like hey man can we make really cool funny videos and can i roast coffee like that's basically the genesis right and we decided yeah because we we just loved doing these 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 videos they were crazy and they were funny and we were only really kind of making them for the veteran community but you know really we we needed a monetization strategy because we wanted to keep doing them and we were really we we had done this super long range iteration like for a couple of days and we were building some some other content up in in the mountains of utah and post that content we came down and we were we were getting like really destroyed uh in this like in this kind of range area <laughs> you know I mean we put the guns away and everything right but we were we were really like burning it down as we would because that's what you know it's kind of what we would do in our part-time is we would build videos and we would get really drunk and we would <laughs> build these videos because you're less inhibited and we're just having fun man like we're drinking with our buddies we're laughing our asses off we're like let's get the cameras let's do it you know and uh, I did this video called hipster waterboarding because I, I just thought it was, I, I thought it was a super funny concept to have, you know, this, this, you know, a hipster that you're, you're waterboarding and converting him to like a more American brand of coffee. And I just thought the fu- the concept was funny. I, 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 I kind of sketched it out on the back of a napkin and we, we shot it and that was the first video that we, we we reached a million views on. And it was also one of the most controversial because, you know, a lot of people thought that we were trying to make fun of gay people. And, you know, there's like this whole thing with the LGBT community. And we're like, dude, we don't care. Like you do you because like we watch it. We, you know, we watch sketch comedy nonstop and like nobody takes offense on a, on a, you know, if you're doing a sketch, nobody takes offense to a person with a lisp and says that you're being derogatory towards them. Right. It's it's formatting and then creating like what we feel is a funny piece of content and it's all in good fun. Like we don't care, but that was a real breakout moment. Like people were, they were like, these guys don't give a shit. <laughs> like right. we just didn't give a shit because At the end of the day, man, I'm, you know, I'm roasting coffee on, on a little 12 pound roaster and bagging it every night and making really funny videos with my buddies. And I'm, I'm learning, you know, different aspects about business and I'm not making any money. Like I'm just breaking even. It's not like I was, you know, had a little printing press making money in my basement. It was like, I was just doing something that was super fun. And I think in that 24 hour period, it went to over a million views and we were like, okay, I guess we need to like really kind of buckle down on this. Like we, we could probably, we could probably roast coffee and do a pretty, pretty, pretty good job of creating content.
0: Did any, uh, any sales come in from that video?
1: Yeah, I think I made $20,000 a day. Right. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, okay, we got something, you know? Yeah, right, and, right. And that's when the light bulb went on for me. I was like, okay, well, I, I think I can do, turn this into a full-time job. And this doesn't have to be like the part-time job that just allows me to never sleep. Like this is going to be a full-time job. I think that was April. That was April of two thousand fifteen. So March, April, some somewhere around there. That was April around that time. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of I had another position that I was working in, which was like in a training company and did some other things. And I was like, I just turned in my resignation and went full board to black rifle.
0: I like this lesson essentially because you're taking coffee, which is literally a commodity, right? With right. a thousand different brands and all kinds of different price points and niches. And you guys just came in and, and you carved out your own based on essentially your, your culture, right? And mm-hmm. people are not buying your coffee. They're buying it and they're going to continue to buy it because they like to drink it, but I'm, they're primarily buying it because they want to be a part of your culture and your brand. Right, Uh, and they just want to participate and like exactly do what you mentioned, have fun with you guys, you know. And I just think that's awesome. That's how that's how you build a a fantastic brand and a fantastic business. So what happened from there? How you know? How did you go about the scaling and the hiring process? Because like you said, you've never done this before.
1: Yeah, And that's a whole
0: different ball of wax. It was
1: was a hot mess, dude. Like I mean, it was a hot mess. And I'm working at that time. You know, I'm 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 working. At what felt like to be 24 hours a day. My wife's doing customer service. We're bagging coffee. We've got our, like, you know, our, our at the time we had our one year old that we were carrying around in like one of those baby borns, you know, as we're like bagging coffee, stuffing boxes. It was everything we could do to just keep up with pace. And, you know, I, did, I wasn't scaling. I was just like okay this is what we can do you know together so it was my wife it was me and you know i had some guys that would come in every now and again as like part-time help but they were like buddies that i would like you know paying beer helping me pack boxes and there wasn't an idea of scaling it was just like how do i figure out how to do this and it, i got really intimately familiar with every piece of the company And that, that time is like that, that has been the cornerstone of my development in business. I knew every aspect of it. So like, you know, I I was, I was managing inventory and velocities and ordering green and roasting and packaging, doing customer service. Like everything was me. I did it all right. And that also allowed me to become so intimately familiar with every section of this business down to like the finest grain of the finest grain of sand in business. I knew it, every section of it. And so when I did decide to to hire somebody, I also knew, okay, where can I, where where can I offload some of the less significant portions of this business to be able to increase my bandwidth? Like that's the only thing that I was really concerned with because I wasn't able to grow the company as fast or, Actually, I shouldn't even say I wasn't able to grow the company as fast. I couldn't capture opportunity fast enough because I was busy doing like packaging, which is, you know, that's that's a minimum wage position that doesn't really require, you know, the CEO of the company to be packing and taping boxes. It does when you have anybody doing it. but. For instance, that's the first position you got to kind of hand away, right? It's the easiest one. It's the one that takes, you know, it, it's the time value proposition, which is, you know, the if you want to make a, a, a big a bigger impact in your business, you have to relinquish the smaller, insignificant portions of it. And you have to prior prioritize those things out and say this is the least significant portion of my business that I can afford to chop off and pay somebody a livable wage. Right. And, and it's, it's only going to create more value because I'll be able to open up more time in order to work on the things that create more value in the company. Right. A lot of businesses, a lot of businessmen have a have a fucking hard time doing that. That's like every piece of it. They don't want to like they don't want to give it away, you know, or they want to micromanage individuals like I've seen it in the last few years. I've, I've spent a lot of time in other businesses. Like man, you guys gotta chop that stuff away. <laughs> right. Well, like, I don't want these guys in my warehouse. And It's like, so you, you know, come up with any excuse under the bus to keep control. <laughs> but I started chopping those things away. So the first thing to go was packaging, right? So I'm not ta- I'm not putting tape on boxes anymore. And then it was like, my wife, okay, you're not packaging anymore. You're just going to concentrate on customer service, and then as soon as I could hire somebody that wasn't my wife in customer service because it was causing frictions in our relationship too, right? Because I'm her boss and not that she wasn't performing, but as a boss, you have a different relationship, yeah, you know, with, you know, a significant other. And I, I was like, okay, this is going to cause issues. Like there's no, nothing personal here. I need somebody, I can put my boot in their ass. And so it was, you know, packaging, it was customer service those were the things that I started to chop away in order to focus more of my time on what I felt created the greatest value with the company. And I was like, at that point I was so far down the rabbit hole on, uh, social media marketing and in the sense of like I was, I was very channel specific into Facebook, but, uh, my, my ROI so I was, I was instantly profitable on every transaction.
0: So this was actually what I was about to dive into next. And and you're going down that. I was just going to ask you how you handle customer acquisition because you've got a physical product with a a, a price point that's essentially you know capped. There's yeah. only so much you can charge for the bag of coffee and you've got hard costs on it. So you've only got so much margin you can afford to spend on, on paid acquisition. So I would love it if you could dive into that.
1: So I dove in like both feet had everything into uh, Facebook advertising, and I realized that I could develop ads that were instantly profitable. So they were profitable on on you know first transaction versus like you know I didn't have enough money to do like lifetime value calculation, and you know that that just wasn't gonna happen. So and I I was doing things some somewhat somewhat rudimentary, but then I started taking courses and trying to find different knowledge bases to develop skills. This was before like Facebook had their blueprint series. I was absolutely spending the majority of my time doing this. And, you know, eventually I just became the marketer and the roaster, right? (laughs) Which was like fucking great for me because I love these two things. And then eventually I was just the marketer, right? So then I, you know, hired one of the guys to come in and do roasting for me. And then I could just go full more into Facebook and understanding, you know, where are we at on the surface layer? So, you know, as you start to rip apart Facebook and getting down into the bowels of it, it's such a fucking incredible machine. And it still is like, and, but back then nobody was using power editor, right? Like three years ago, nobody was like, you know, I didn't know anybody that was using power editor. I didn't know anybody that was like doing anything, but doing like boosted posts and, Mm and, So they, I didn't, I don't know if they had even at that time, like ads, I think they might've had ads manager. I can't remember actually how the development actually rolled out, but it was like boosted posts. And then I think it was power editor. And then I think they added ads manager, but it could be reversed in that. So what I was spending the majority of my day in was I would have like two to three hours a day that I was spending on, on just learning and developing that skill. And then I would go out and spend money honing that skill. So I learn something and then activate it, learn something and then activate it. And it was such a rich machine that I could continue to do that. I mean, early on I'd have, I built, I think 300 plus ads in the first, you know, I don't know, four or five months of the business. And then, you know, I think at this point, I think I built over 10,000 ads in my life. Like, and that's like with different copy and imagery and everything else. Uh, so for me, it just became a quest at a positive ROI instant or, or first time transaction on the customer. And then you have to continue to sharpen that sword. It doesn't it doesn't get any easier. It actually gets harder because as more competition flows in, you know, your fill rates increase and you just have to be an incredible marketer. And that lucky for me, I I actually took to it and I love it. So like I still I still go to marketing conventions. I still read marketing books. Like I I, I'm I'm just way into it. So what I did from there was I went to like Matt and JT and I, I said, you guys are great at content. JT Taylor, Jared Taylor and Matt best. And like, you guys are great at content. I feel like I'm one of the most successful admin in this space. Why don't we just like, you know, let our, let's push our rings into the center of the table and let our powers unite. And they were fucking sold. They were like, sounds good to us. Let's do it. And at that point they were making, you know, a few million dollars a year with their other company. So it wasn't an easy sell. It's not like it was like, hey guys, like come on over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had a they had a they had a very successful e com based clothing company. So for me to be able to go, this is the offer, like, you know, let's let's go have fun, but let's build a company that that will be around longer than you know two to three years let's let's build something that we can be really proud of and let's attract you know let's attract better people let's let's build a fucking business right let's do this and uh and they were like got it man and um matt and jt moved up to utah and uh i started hiring um you know i started doing more hiring so at that point i needed I needed some, I needed operations guys, so I needed a what I was calling a coup at the time, but now that I realize that it, it you know it was, it was, it was over exaggeration of the position, it was a guy within operations, right? And then I needed accounting, and you know all these things started to grow relatively rapidly, and I was at I think at at the end of 2015, I hired my first employee, which was. This guy Charles Waldron. he's still he's still with the company today. And at the end of uh, 16, I had 30 some people
0: working for the company.
1: Mm. Oh. And at the end of 17, I have 110 people working for
0: the company. Wow! Have you have you outsourced uh, you know the the advertising duties, if you will? Do no. Are you're no. still are you still doing the ad management?
1: Well, I mean, I have, yeah. I mean, I've hired other people, but I, I, I mean, I, I hired those guys and I brought them in and trained them for six months and I still don't even allow them to like have full and utter control. The only reason is I haven't been able to find somebody that continued, that can continue to do at the yeah, same, time. Yeah, it's not, it's not a micromanagement thing. It's like the, It's an like the, the training wheels are, are off, but I'm still watching them drive around the house. And for me, the 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 greatest the greatest thing in this is is building a team of guys when i say go get customers at sub three dollars a pop and we can do it that's that's fucking nuclear and like that's that's what we're experiencing right now which is the the growth rate of the company is directly due to the fact that we built systems with highly competent people that weren't qualified that just could work 20 hours a day like rabid dogs. So I took people out of the special operations and veteran community and I placed them within the company that I felt like you're not qualified for this, but you're a super smart guy and you're never going to quit. So let's, let's put you there. And then as the company builds, you'll be qualified for this position eventually. And people, you get pros and cons with that because you get a high wash rate on some of those guys. You, you know, you get people that are, are you have to manage more. And that's what this is a highly intense, it's, it's a very intense management problem. Uh, and when I say problem, I'm looking at it more in the context of like, we're solving problems every day. We're not like, it's not a problem or an issue. It's a very, very management uh, driven company. I guess every company is, but uh, because we have a lot of inexperience, we have to have round table discussions and open communication. And they're just mountains of data and we have to be super analytical and candid with everybody like you failed but it doesn't mean you're a failure it just means we have to learn from it and that's been the beauty of or not even the beauty of it it's just like we've been able to build the company with you know 50 some veterans a huge percentage of those are guys that we've known with you know within our rolodex and people always say you know don't hire your friends it's going to backfire and it's like well i say don't be friends with people you can't work with because I, I don't choose I've never chosen my friends based on like an arbitrary circumstance and sharing a beer and and high fiving. It's been like most of my friends in the last decade and a half have been men that I've worked with in really extreme environments. So I know they're fucking solid. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's my Rolodex. My professional and personal lives have always been blended to the point where you don't make friends with people you can't trust, and you don't go into business with people you can't trust, right? So it's been actually very useful because you can lean on people, you know. And nobody really, because we are in the, we have been in the military, and a lot of these guys have either worked for me in my previous occupation, or have, I've, or I've worked for them. But in that's the beauty of some of these previous occupations is you have a rolling charter of who's in charge so one day this guy might be in charge the next day you might be in charge and i i love bringing in people that if i'm out of the office uh i know they're not going to burn my building down right and you know tag in the army it's like the platoon leader you know tag you're it you know platoon leader what are you going to do and um i've I've just you know i'm not going to say it hasn't been without its challenges like hr has been like a, a intense process because of just making sure that we're compliant and making sure like those are like compliance issues and accounting and a bunch of other things like you think wouldn't be that difficult but they're just oh my you know you're just working through these problems for just weeks on end going god what (laughs) how do people even start businesses you know sometimes like you're just like beating your head against the wall. like how do people start businesses like You know, and then I've learned to actually have a a higher level of disdain for the government because it's like, how am I supposed to, you know, hire, fire, grow a company when, you know, and obviously this is kind of, I don't want to turn into a political discussion, but it's like, they sometimes make it almost impossible for some of these things where you're like, good God, this is crazy you know, like, 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 you know, dealing with like compliance issues and coding issues in in my building for one, which is like totally interesting. And the fact that it was like a petroleum industry building where they were like welding and grinding and they had like petroleum and all these other things. And it was like just adding a variance to roast coffee after I've already passed environmentals. I, I thought I was like dealing with the mob. It was crazy. So like things like that, where you're like, gosh, dang, man, I'm just trying to scale a business and Sometimes you feel like the world is against you, right?
0: Yeah, it's you know the whole healthcare, Obamacare, yeah. you know, just like everybody, everybody in my businesses for the last three or four years have just been outsourced. I, I yeah. run everything outsourced because I don't have to deal with the, all of those headaches. But that's got to change once you once you really want to start to build a company, right? So yeah, so I have to ask you. Yeah, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, guys, go out get as many customers as you can for three bucks pop, right? Yeah. So. When it comes to your ads that I've been sitting here while you've been talking, trying to get Facebook to serve me up some ads and I can't get it to, to come through. <laughs> um, what's the primary mechanism that you guys have found to be most successful? Is it a direct to the point offer with a, you know, some kind of scarcity mechanism, like a discount, or is it the more humor based video entry point? But like, how do you get a customer for three bucks? Because that's phenomenal. It's all, all the
1: above, man. Like, um,
0: Synergy of everything.
1: It is because if you're, uh, you know, uh, and granted, you know, uh, I'm sure there's highly qualified marketing people out there that would disagree with my method. But I just try to look at everything from how do I create value within the customer's life? Right. And then how do they engage on these platforms? So if I'm looking at something, I'm saying, okay, so what does Facebook want? So what's, what's algorithmically uh, acceptable and what does Facebook want? Right. So I'm, I'm satisfying one, one end saying Facebook wants this because the customer wants this. They want people on their platform longer, right? Okay. Well, I have to create engaging quality content. That's either informational or humor based because, if I don't, it's going to cost me more money. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm. Facebook's not in the business of like just taking straight ads. They're in the business of keeping people on their platform so they can charge more money for their ads. They, they can't have one or the other, right? Or they're just going to turn into a, 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 a no better than some kind of super spammy, you know, you know, exponentially low click through rate blog, and. They can't do that. The life of Facebook consists on the fact or exists on the fact that people need to maintain engagement. And if you don't have engaging content, you're fucked. And so my cornerstone and what I, what I always go to bat with every week is what kind of content are we creating that has nothing to do with creating a, 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 a decreased CPA? It has everything to do with what kind of value we're creating in people's lives.
0: Hmm. How you make people feel, essentially?
1: Yeah, and so are we. You know, are we are we increasing their happiness? Are we increasing their information? You know, what's the dopamine release? Where where are we at in the cycle of that? And for me, that's the cornerstone. If I create value based content, the proposition is 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 win win for Facebook and the customer. I'll follow that up with you know myriad of different ads saying you know hey, I've created value in your life. Why don't you, you know, why don't you repay the favor basically, right? Right. It I just promise. makes everything more effective. So, you know, if people, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I talk to so many guys where it's like, you know, how do you do it? And it's like, this is a rocket surgery, man. Like, this is like painstakingly difficult, long hours. And it's not saying like, I'm, I'm not good at that. How many times have you heard that from business dudes? I'm not good at marketing, so I don't do it. It's like that's like saying I'm not good at business, so I'm not going to do it, even though I'm in business. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm, not, I'm not good at marketing, so I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, or you know, how many people are have just like have zero priority on their their social channels? And for me, I you know I'm a I'm a data hog. Like I I I pull reams and reams and reams of data down to the you know, I'm running. 3,600 ads across Facebook right now targeted to different specific audiences with different forms of copy and imagery. Like that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and, right. Right. And for me, it, it, this is, this is the, this is the game which, you know, for me, I love, which is how do I create exponential value within the customer's life? And then how do I follow that up with a, a, a fucking incredible product? And then how do I grow a company that, that will create, you know, livelihood for not only my family, but my family's, you know, the families, of my business partners, like these are like, you know, pretty easy for me to like prioritize. And right. and it's fun, man. Like I, I love it. like When you come in and you manage people and you, you know, rip off the data sheets and you're, you're looking at what you did yesterday. And then you turn around and talk to a guy that's like, man, I love your fucking company. And, and you know, I love your podcast. I love this. Like, You know how much better could life get? Like when people are just, you know, telling you that you're doing a great job, and you get to hire great people, you get to impact people's lives by, you know, donating. I donated three hundred thousand dollars last year just, you know, veteran-related causes, and like, you know, it it doesn't get much better than where we're at right now.
0: That's awesome. I've got two questions for you on on how y'all evolved business model-wise, and the first one is. How much of an impact has the Coffee Club made on the business? Which is a monthly a monthly subscription, essentially for yeah. folks who are not familiar with it.
1: Uh, it's it's huge impact. So I just sold a portion of the company to uh, Sterling Partners out of Chicago. So mm. they're an equity company out of Chicago, and uh, you know, my, they were my they're a minority investor in it, but you know, nonetheless, that's still like you know going through due diligence and. You know, selling a portion of your company—that's still not a small feat. And you know, in Coffee Club, it's it's well, you know, well above. I right? well, I think we're well above thirty-seven thousand at this point. Wow. And I created the Coffee Club for me, so all this stuff is like, you know, I think sometimes they're like, oh, you know, did you have like guys, you know, trying to figure this out? I'm like, no, I just I just wanted like really great coffee delivered to me every month that that was like roast to order. I didn't want to buy it from some like hipster wingnut coffee roaster out of Portland. I just wanted Greek great coffee. And um, it created it for me because it's like, well, if I want it, how many other people would want it? You know, driving people into the club was just one of those things where it just makes sense, right? Where we want people to be customers for life. Like I want them to drink Black Rifle coffee for life. I wasn't looking at it as like, this is a, this is a, a you know, a, more of a, a multiple on my EBITDA. Like, that's not what I was looking at. I was looking at like, I want to keep my customers for life. I want to have this great value proposition for them. And then come to find out, wow. Okay. That creates exponential value in your business. Like these, you know, reoccurring and subscription memberships, like that creates exponential value, but lucky for me. Right. And so it's, it's part of this is just luck. It's like I had probably 15,000 members there before somebody kind of read me into this whole thing where, you know, you could get a higher multiple based on your subscription. And then I was like, fuck, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's sink more time and effort into this, you know, like let's build this thing out. And it's still the same thing. How do I create more value? Right. How do I, how do I reduce the cost? How do I increase the quality? You know, and that's the beauty of Owning your own business is like, I don't answer to a board. You know, I am the board, right? I can make a change today that I don't have to run it through 12 different people or, you know, worry about shareholders or anything else. Like, oh, I'm going to change this shit today. And that's, 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 you know, part of why it's fun, I guess, because I still want to
0: yeah. answer it. Yeah, for sure. You get to be as creative as you want. The second question I had for you was on the the apparel and gear side. You guys have got a, a pretty large selection of those items, uh, you know, up on the site. How big of a role do those uh, play in the business?
1: The apparel is it's it's super interesting to me now that I'm kind of like unpacking some of what we've done because a lot of it was just just us working our asses off, and then all of a sudden figuring out like, oh, okay, this is worth this is worth some money. And the apparel stuff, like I, I didn't understand that a lot of companies just kind of think about it in the context. If they're not apparel companies, they just kind of think about it as a marketing expense. And it's a huge percentage of our company, but it's also a huge percentage of what we really love to do. Like we design all this stuff. I don't outsource a lot of design. Some of this stuff, like I sketch out myself and push it over to our design department. So it's one of those things where it's a creative outlet for the owners of the company where we can, you know, sit down for, Hour, or two hours, or we see something we really like, we can we can generate it and push it out. It was really more of just a creative release for us for a long time. Like we just want really cool stuff, and I want people that want to buy our apparel that don't even want our coffee. Like that's how cool I want it to be because I don't. Like I want to wear. I'm the same way. Like I want to wear cool shit. I don't want to wear some like. You know, fruit of loom, like cotton t shirt that says, you know, my roaster company out in like North Carolina or whatever, right? Like, but I do, if I see a shirt, I'm like, man, that is badass. Like, where did you get that? And somebody's like, oh, it's a roaster company out in somewhere. Like, I think there's, you've got to reverse those things where you're like, I want people that to see that is such a cool shirt that it's a conversation starter for people that won't want it. Right. You know, if you're going to create a great lifestyle brand, like for me, chips in, like spend some, spend some time on it, you know, create something that people love, like every aspect of it. So it's content, whether it's coffee, whether it's clothing, whether it's apparel, whatever the fuck you're putting out there, like people need to love it. And if they love it, it'll be a conversation starter. And, you know, but if you don't want to invest the time and energy into it, like,
0: you know, good luck. A lot of people. Yeah. You've got to want to wear it yourself. That's my standard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tagless tri blend fitted. Yeah. Cool design. Like, if that's not it, then why bother?
1: Why I mean, bother? Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Like I I wear my black rifle shirts to the gym, not because not because like I'm wearing to work. Not because like I'm trying to advertise for my company. I'm like, I love this shirt. It's awesome. This is my favorite shirt. You know, yeah. like I like I look at shirts in my closet, and, like my favorite shirt is this Blackbeard, this Blackbeard Tri-Blend shirt that I've had for you know, a year and a half, like I own the printing presses to these shirts, like I can go down and print whatever shirt I want, but I still wear the same shirt that I've had for a year and a half because I
0: love it you right know what I mean? yeah, exactly very cool on the on the tool side, kind of the management where you, you mentioned you're such a, a data focused uh, founder, are there any tools or systems that you guys just love that have made a huge impact on the business? Maybe it's you know domo or something I don't even know what shopping cart you guys use, so.
1: Uh, we're using we Shopify. I mean, it's okay. I'm not, I'm. We, we've had like I hire. I actually have a, a a tech company that's on the retainer, and they build a lot of uh, custom API plugins for us now. Mm-hmm. And but I've used like Clipfolio. I've used Domo. I don't know what that is. But as far as like dashboards and then pulling in data, a lot of this is super frustrating. You know, because uh,
0: <laughs> that's the, why I'm asking. I'm hoping yeah. you had it figured out. <laughs> well,
1: no, you've got to go between each one of the platforms because there's not kind of a unified platform where you can pool the data and then get into like the, the granularity. Because what happens with me is like, I'll see something and I'll go, wow, that's interesting. How do I know more about this? Right. And then there's like this top level, They're just like kind of a kind of top level information. You're just looking for like, okay, there's gross revenue, but why is gross revenue look like this? And then... You know, as you start to pull the string on the sweater, you always want more. So, what I found for for each one of the divisions, and this is just something that I do, each one of the divisions has established their their KPIs as far as like how they're integrated within the platform. So, we're using like Zendesk, and then that's you know that spits out you know one dashboard, and then marketing department has like a, a fucking wide variety of things that they're using. So, at any point in time, they're using like it's not HubSpot, it's mm-hmm. uh, Hootsuite. And, mm-hmm. So they're monitoring things. But then we also have, you know, we're using like BuzzSumo as far as like monitoring everybody that's out, out in the ether, like what people are saying. And then we've got a couple other mechanisms. They're all like feeding in this information. And what happens is each one of the the uh, departments, they, they create me basically on one sheet that I look at every day. And then because I haven't been able to find something that integrates everything to the point in which I I like it. And so I can log into each one of those independently and take a look at like customer service and then Shopify has halfway decent like data, but then I pull specific things from revenue every day that I want to see every day. And it allows me not to like, have to click down into the bowels of the right. So it spits out a report and then, like inventory and a few of those things. So like everything basically has their own division. They have their own internal system that does their own kind of data collection, which is specifically for them. Because I, what I found is like, I, there's nothing that does it all well. Like it's right. just like, have to go, you know, the division that you're in, you have to incorporate the, you have to incorporate the piece of technology that does the reporting for it, for you in that division. And then that has to flow into me. That's just the way that I've done it. I'm sure there's actually better processes out there. Like for a while I had them actually doing spreadsheets because <laughs> just so we could not get out of like this email, this this like this email quagmire of just like emailing things like we wanted to flip through sheets and get them like more intimately related to the data. So that was another piece of what I was trying to accomplish was just get people into the numbers. like you know, there's a reason why it's the universal language is because it actually says a lot of shit. And so I've had to like force that on the company a lot. And I'm, I I doubt I'm over analytical, but you know, operations specifically related to that, that section of business, they have to kind of develop their own KPIs. And then we're also incorporating like coffee. So when we look at like coffee and we look at green inbound and then roasted outbound, There's not a really good reporting system as far as being able to integrate that within underneath the like Clipfolio because we can't integrate our our, uh, ERP with some of that either. So there's there's like all these really kind of fragmented sections of the business that I've, I've tried to pool in, but I haven't been able to find a company that can do like accurate reporting across all levels of the company. So it's just easier for me to kind of force the chiefs to be more intimately familiar and then just talk to me about it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So last, last question for you. You've clearly made just an unbelievable amount of progress uh, as, a, as a, a business owner here in the, the brief time you've been building this. Are there any organizations or individuals that you've learned from or studied or worked with in kind of a mentorship role that has helped you navigate this whole, you know, this whole business deal?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, Tom Davin is a CEO of 511 Tactical, he was a former COO at Taco Bell, he's an amazing man, uh, He's he's been helping me along the way, uh, Jason Orbis is another guy, he started a company called Lexington Law, which is basically the predecessor and the father of credit repair in America, another guy owns a private intel company out of Whitefish, Matt Marshall, and like, I, I communicate with people all the time about, like, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, how do I navigate this? And I have a podcast, and the only reason I have a podcast, and I'm not trying to stump it, I'm just... No, no, you please,
0: know, what, well, I, would, I would love to plug
1: into it. It's called uh, Launch Code, uh, the Launch Code, or Launch Code podcast, and uh, it's just about veteran entrepreneurs. And one of the reasons I started it was so I could just ask other veteran entrepreneurs questions that I was really interested in and and develop a network with people that you could kind of push information back and forth so like i talk to guys in the industry and the, when i say the veteran own you know entrepreneur industry like i'll talk to you know griff from combat flip-flops one day i'll talk to brent phillips from uh, softly the next day i'll talk to tyler merritt from nine line the next day i'll talk to nick palmishano from ranger up the next day you know like like we're all either texting or communicating one way or another and like stopping and sharing information on what we, what successes we've had. So like this is a pretty tight community in some regards. And I'm not afraid to ask questions. Like, I I mean, and I, I'm not afraid to pick up a book. I might say pick up a book, actually I'm pick up a audible and you know, some of the books that I've read, I guess that I really fucking love that have inspired that really inspired me obviously is good to great, uh, built to last. Those are like cornerstones mm. principles. I, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's uh, Ray Dalio and you know, I'll listen to some of these books, you know, 12, 15 times and, and then I'll pick up the phone and start calling people and asking them a lot of questions. You know, for me, this is about a quest of, for me, it just, Individually, this is about being a successful businessman. I carried a gun for way too, way too long in my life, like that was my profession, and I'm just trying to be the best businessman I can be, so I'm, I'm like completely humbled at the altar of business, right? I step in the office every day going, I don't really know anything, but I'm gonna try to figure out more today than I knew yesterday. And honestly, I think that humility has helped me, the ignorance, I guess, when it comes to business, has actually helped me in a lot of ways where, you know, when when people started taking a look, especially when I, I was shopping the the company around for a capital partner, they didn't believe what we were doing. They didn't. They were like, how are you creating customers at this level? And they still don't understand to a certain degree. And, <laughs> uh, and they had, like, you know, my new partners, my business partner, Stevens, fucking great guy, a founder of uh, Sterling Partners. Like, they just couldn't believe... They couldn't believe the data. They were like, this is this has got to be off. And they had to like, you know, rip the hood off and get in there and go, wow, okay, well, and they actually found out that we were a little bit off and we were a little bit high, not low. So those are the things are like, we just don't understand, but we love it. We guys think you guys are geniuses. And I'm like, we're just fucking lucky. You know, like, I, to be honest with you, it's just like we're a bunch of hardworking guys that got a little bit lucky in one regard, but we're too stupid to quit. And and as long as you continue to think that you don't know anything, you will continue to try to learn more, I guess. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. Well, this has been uh, this has been awesome. Definitely one of the most educational podcasts we've had in a while. So this has just been I'm just sitting here thinking my brain's fried <laughs> so, um, It's awesome. moving a little slow right now. But where can uh, Evan? Where can people go to connect with you? Obviously, blackriflecoffee.com. If you drink some coffee, go go pick up some freaking coffee and get to know the brand and the product. But uh, let's talk about you personally. Where can people find you on social and uh, and the podcast again?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm you know Evan Hafer. You know LinkedIn Evan Hafer, and then Instagram. Uh, I don't push anything on on those social channels, so you don't have to worry about like being targeted. You know, as a as a targeted, marketed. It's just me and my wife and updates to it. Uh, it's just Evan Hafer, you know, Instagram, Evan Hafer, uh, Facebook, Come on there. Same thing, Evan Hafer, Evan Hafer, Evan Hafer all the way down the line. Um, <laughs>
0: cool. And, uh, nice. You
1: know, and you can also email the company. Like, people always, people always email and if they just put in the subject line, like, forward to Evan, most of the time I get those, unless they're like, you know, strange pictures or something that you're trying <laughs> to push me. But, like any any biz dad stuff business people want like i i push out typically you know my podcast i'll answer a bunch of questions that i get via email so i'll i'll compile like you know the 40 email questions that i got with business and and i'll answer those on the podcast or i'll i'll outline those in a subject and then i'll go deep into them and if i don't know i don't fucking know and there's a good chance that i'm not trying to withhold information i'm just like i i don't know dude i don't i don't i don't know how you establish a you know a a, a you know, tax haven for you know an LLC. I, I, you know, whatever you're trying to accomplish, you know what I mean. I get the most weird, the weirdest. <laughs> questions. Like, I don't know, dude. Ask an accountant, man. I'm not right. an accountant. <laughs> like, you got a question on a business? Sure, but like I'm not an accountant. But anyway, it's it's been awesome, man. I love it. It's uh, it's fun. I'm highly caffeinated, so I'm probably
0: <laughs> <laughs> weird. Oh, uh, that's a, That's I'm glad you brought that up. That was one last question. Uh, how do you take your coffee? Black, just black, straight up, uh, straight up, like
1: pour over, just
0: black, and do you have a favorite uh you know specific blend on, on your line that you you prefer? yeah, yeah, just black, so
1: uh, everybody asked me like, oh, you know, where did you come up with the names? I was like, well, every time I order coffee, I just say just black, and you know, they asked cream or sugar, and just black, so like I developed just black is what I felt was the the best pour over drip coffee on the market. And I still think it's true today. I think it's still the best pour over drip coffee that I've had. And, uh, the funny, it, just to go into a couple other things about the company real quick, which is, you know, we roast all our own coffee still. I'm transitioning to all American made roasters, which is unheard of. Like there's not a lot of like a hundred percent American made roasters. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, those are some of the things that we're super passionate about, which is, you know, veteran community and American made. And it's not that we're, you know, xenophobes. We just need to make sure that we're, we like to put our subculture first. And that's just because, you know, that's who we are. <laughs> I can't hide it. It's like if somebody tells me that, you know, they're more concerned with, you know, starving kids in Mexico, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just more concerned with, you know, the guys committing suicide every, you know, every day that have served the that are finding themselves disenfranchised and, with no other options. So, you know, if we can inspire and emancipate the men and women that have served the country, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, if we can't, then, you know, I'll go, I'll go find something else to do. Um, but at the end of the day, there has to be something other than just, you know, turning a dollar in, in a company. And it's fairly obvious that, you know, people, people from the community really want us to just pick up the charter and, and be the, the coffee company that they want. So that's the coffee company that we are.
0: Yeah. Uh. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's the secret. That's the secret. Yeah. sauce. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. Well, I can't uh, I can't wait to, to get a chance to go shooting here in Austin when you guys, I know you're, you're relocating down here into San Antonio, which is exciting. Yeah. Welcome to Texas. Glad mm-hmm. to have you. And um, yeah, we'll go hit up the range and And, uh, I'm looking forward to getting skunked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I just sit on my ass all day now. So you'll probably just tear me
0: apart. No, no, I promise. I promise that will not be the case, but, uh, (laughs) but that'll be awesome either way. Well, Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks again for the time. This was an absolute pleasure. And, uh, guys, once again, go check out BlackRifleCoffee.com and pick up some goods and, and, uh, we'll see you next week as always. Take care.